Do you believe in fate? Is there an unseen force guiding all of life's twists and turns? Mozart's first mature opera, Idomeneo, suggests that maybe there is. Otherwise, why would two people who have every reason to hate each other fall in love? Ilia and Idamante are the children of mortal enemies. One army has laid waste to the other, and yet here they are in the first act of Mozart's Idomeneo, feeling things they should not be feeling. That's mezzo-soprano Cecilia Bartoli singing the role of Idamante, the male love interest, in a 1996 Metropolitan Opera recording of Mozart's Idomeneo. Idomeneo is on stage now at the Metropolitan Opera House. I caught up with mezzo-soprano Alice Coote, who's singing the role of Idamante in the current production. It was a Monday morning, she wasn't feeling well, and she hadn't even had breakfast yet, but that didn't stop me from diving right into the deep end with some of the biggest questions we face about life, love, and the universe. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> oh, God, you're really going right in Right there, in, right in. No, don't worry, I haven't got tonsillitis or anything. <laughs> I've just been asking human dignity and goodness. Rescuing us from... <laughs> okay, what time well, is it? It's Monday and it's 11.45. Monday morning. Okay. Well, I do. I agree in life that um, dignity and goodness can save us, but I don't actually necessarily feel that in Indomineo that that's what happens. I know that everyone's trying to do their best and try to live by their best qualities. But I really feel that it, in the end, the story is handed over to fate. That somehow in this piece, it actually recognises that it's actually beyond our control. That I really want to try and unite my best qualities in, in accepting that I love the enemy. And Ilya, the person who I fall in love with, really shouldn't be in love with me because I have destroyed everything that she loves. But she loves me. And my love for my father makes me want to forgive whatever he does to me. I mean, I think it's probably quite like real life, that we're all trying our best, and what actually happens is not necessarily under our control, so it's a very apt recognition of humanity's plight. Right. Our limitations to choose our outcomes. Absolutely. We're all struggling to do our best, perhaps with the exception of Electra, who can see that what she wants isn't the right thing for everyone, but she wants it anyway. So that's a very interesting character. Uh, but everybody else is actually blindly trying to do what they think is the best. And it takes them only so far. And then whatever you want to call it in the universe steps in and makes that final choice. But I think in the end, if they hadn't made those good choices, these characters, then the uh, result would not actually be the the happy ending or the the resolution that comes. So I think there is a message in there. Yeah. And they are all at the mercy of something, you know, even their feelings for the people that they shouldn't be in love with. Ilya doesn't want to be in love with Idamante because it goes against her her family and her background, but she can't help it. Absolutely. That is just such an interesting study of love because all of the love perhaps apart from Idomineo's is leading people in the wrong direction. Electra is destroyed by the fact that she loves somebody she shouldn't love. My relationship with my father and with my people is destroyed by the fact that I 
cannot help but love the person that I love and equally the person I'm in love with, Elia. She, she loves me so much that she's prepared to set aside her whole, her kind, her father, everyone being destroyed, and she still loves me. So it's an incredible testament to love. And love does triumph in the end, but by a very uh, rough journey. your arias in the first act, you've professed your love to Ilya, and she's not so happy about that to begin with because it brings up all of her complicated feelings. And you say, it's not my fault, you know. Can you say a little bit about that aria and what you're trying to express It's there? funny because you, I mean, I think some of us have experienced that sort of feeling in life that maybe you don't fall in love with the right person at the right time. And it's not just a chemical thing, it's a spiritual thing. And in a way, you can argue and fight with yourself. In this, I mean, it's a it's a very strange first aria that I I walk in and I am clearly overtaken by love, and the person that I'm in love with, Elia, clearly loves me, and this is strange conversation between us in the most exquisite music, where I'm actually talking to fate, talking to God, talking to the heavens, talking to my inner voice, saying, "I can't help. It's not my fault. I love you." And it's repeated again and again and again in the most exquisite ways, in the very high reaches of the the human voice, in just a very uncomfortable place, because I'm spiritually in a very uncomfortable place. It's very hard to sing. It's very hard to sing emotionally because you're actually arguing with your own inner voice, trying to put an argument to the opposite character that can't be justified. And it's just about, I love you, I can't help it. It's, it's, it's very special. That's mezzo-soprano Alice Coote talking about the role of Idamante. We've heard just a sampling of that sung by Cecilia Bartoli with the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra conducted by James Levine. Levine is back with the Domineo on stage at the Metropolitan Opera House. The issue of fate continues to ripple through the story, less as a blind force than as a cruel architect of people's misfortunes. Alice Coote sings the role of Idamante in the current production. Idamante is at the epicenter of fate's machinations. He's in love with the daughter of the mortal enemy, the defeated Trojan king. He's also ensnared in a pact with the devil, well, Neptune. You see, after slaughtering the Trojans, his father, Idomeneo, sets sail for home and gets caught in a tempest. Idomeneo pledges to Neptune that he'll sacrifice the first person he sees, if the god of the sea will deliver him back to dry land. And who would be the soul fated to encounter Idomeneo as he comes ashore? Idamante, his own son. These are people up against titanic forces, but they're not powerless. It's about having to make choices that no one wants to make. Alice Coote describes the Act Three Quartet, which has such exquisite music that it even moved Mozart to tears. Well, it comes at absolutely the, the most important point in the story by which everyone is at its, their most uncomfortable, the most extreme emotions, perhaps apart from Electra, who I, as Idamante, have been sent by my father away to learn a better way of being, a better way of ruling. It's actually an excuse to get me away that he may never see me again. 
uh, for the rest of his life and I'm having to leave him not understanding why and that he is trying to sacrifice me. The person I'm in love with, Elia, knows this is the last time that she will ever see me. But we're both still very much in love with each other. And Electra, the person who is also in love with me, I must be pretty lovable, <laughs> is... Um, wanting to go away with me is to start this new life with me away on another island, away in another far-flung place. But I, she's very clearly can see that I'm not in love with her. And yet she's prepared to take me away from my life and start this new life. So everybody's in their extreme discomfort, spiritual discomfort zone. And out of this comes the most extraordinary quartet of separate voices of each character almost railing at um, fate separately and together in the most exquisite way. I, I sing quite a, f a lot of my lines together with Elia and then I spit again and I try to talk to my father. He is talking to himself, he's talking to me and saying, you have to go. Electra is just saying, I want to start a new life, I need to, I need to do this. Everybody wants something different and yet there's this amazing thing that Mozart is able to do, which is show. I don't know another composer that can do it. Show four human beings with separate wills, needs, wants, desires, ex coexisting in a maelstrom of, of, of emotion, but exquisite music. And incredible atmosphere, the tension in it, uh, and the, the beauty of it is unparalleled, really. That's Alice Coote, who's on stage at the Met this month, singing the role of Idamante, the son of the king, Idomeneo. Let's listen to some of that quartet from a 1996 Met opera recording. Placido Domingo, Cecilia Bartoli, Heidi Grant Murphy, and Carol Vaness singing the quartet from Mozart's Idomeneo in a Metropolitan Opera recording under James Levine. Levine is on the podium for the Met's current production of Idomeneo, with Alice Coote singing the role of the prince Idamante, who's had a run of bad luck. Fate has made him fall in love with the daughter of his enemy, and as if that weren't bad enough, his own father is obligated to kill him. But don't get me wrong, Dad does not want to do this, so he's been shunning Idamante this entire opera, which just heaps heartbreak and misunderstanding on top of that terrible obligation. These are some pretty heavy ideas, and as Alice Coote points out, they're coming from someone who was barely an adult. Mozart is, is total genius. I mean, he chose to set this libretto. He is one of the, I think it's the first libretto that he actually chose of his own accord in a, in a certain way. I mean, goodness me, he was 24. And he's obviously chosen this libretto to actually demonstrate 
what the, the things that he was wrestling with as a human being, and that is the lack of choice. And I imagine that he, more so than in two thousand and seventeen, <laughs> um, people's lives are harder in very in very different ways. And I imagine the lack of of choice over one's destiny and the things that happen to the people that you love was much more keenly felt in those days. So I think being faced with what we all face with is we can't choose when we die, we can't choose who we love, we can't choose what will happen to the people we love, we can't choose basically what happens in life is probably the most important uh, existential question that any of us face and, and none of us have the answer. So the fact that Idomino does not have a choice, he is told by the gods who he will sacrifice and the fact that he cannot say no, can I choose another one please, it is the whole point of the story in every sense. Right. I suppose it, it loses all of its dramatic power if he does have a choice. Well, none of us have a choice. Yeah. None of us have a choice of what happens to us. We try to imagine that we do, and we go off and go to the gym and paint our nails and, you know, watch the latest movies and try to do eat the right things. But we don't know that we're going to be run over by a bus or that the people that we love will become sick or, you know... We don't choose, and this is the profundity and the most extraordinary quality of this opera. It's quite brutal. It's brutal and, and it's beautiful at the same time. Its strength and its, its truth is about how much people will do for the people that they love and suffer themselves for love. It's a very strong uh, message. Yeah. Do you have a favourite musical moment? All of it. <laughs> All of it. But there's a particularly beautiful, quiet, amazing moment in Act 3 when Idomineo reveals who it is to the community that he has to sacrifice. And in the music of the orchestra and then the, the amazing choral writing, the writing for the chorus in this, this opera is, is just... I'm standing backstage before I come out each time and my all the hairs stand up on all over my body. He sings and says, it is Idamante who I have to sacrifice. It is my son. And the, the sound world that Mozart creates at that moment of grief and of love simultaneously is so beautiful.
So as we were saying, um, in some ways, this opera is about the choices that we don't have. It's also about saying goodbye to the people that we love. As a singer who spends, I don't know, what, 80% of your life on the road, you must be able to relate to this. You must know what it feels like to have to spend much of your life saying goodbye to the people that you love, and you will see them again. But is this something that's struck you as you've worked on this at all? It resonates so deeply, and I see it not just in myself, but I see it in other singers who I know, uh, who are parents, who have to leave their children. It's very difficult for me. I don't have children, but you, you say you guarantee when you leave that you will see the people you love again, but you don't necessarily know that you will. I think that our lives as singers are an extreme version, as is this opera, of how we we all maybe go to work that day or we we walk away from people we love. We don't necessarily know that it's the last time. And sometimes, unfortunately for people, that is the last time that they see them, but they don't know that it's going to be the last time that they see that person. Uh, The singer's lifestyle is is just a series of goodbyes, non-stop. It's goodbyes to the people that you meet when you work and perhaps you make amazing bonds with people or goodbyes with roles, goodbyes with phrases of music, things that you will never sing again, goodbyes with the moment of a performance because life performance is uh, a series of moments where you believe something true is happening and you send it out into the ether and not always is it recorded uh, but it's a moment in time so it's just everything in life is a series of hellos and goodbyes and indeed being a singer is a very difficult lifestyle and I've struggled with it so it resonates very deeply with me having to walk away from the people I love, not knowing how they will be when I return and in what state. Iramante is a trouser role where a female singer um, plays the role of a, a man or a boy on stage. You're, you're no stranger to these roles as a mezzo-soprano. Is there something about Iramante that kind of welcomes the female voice in this, do you think? Or was it just... Well, it, it has been written, it was written for a tenor. So I don't know that it's a quintessential trouser role and I don't think it's written for um, ideally a woman playing a man in the sense of the way it's written vocally. It's really written for tenor, but I think people want a different sort of voice for Idamante. So people who are mezzo-sopranos have to sing a, a higher role and yet then their voice is naturally accustomed to, and yet they have to portray a certain masculinity, and it's not a youthful masculinity, as in Carabino, as in these young characters, or the more innocent, or the uh, characters that Mozart often portrayed in these trouser roles. So it's it's not a typical trouser role. It's more feels like a Shakespearean uh, role where a, a, a lady takes on the role of a boy, in the sense that it's something spiritual that he's trying to say about the character that when you feel that Idamante may be sacrificed at the end, that you feel this innocence about the character, that maybe when a mezzo-soprano sings it, or a soprano sings these roles rather than a tenor, maybe we're lucky in that sense, but I I think it's big enough music for any voice to sing it. I, I've certainly listened to a recording of Pavarotti singing this this role, and that is extraordinary live performance from Glyndebourne. But I think Mozart's music, what whoever sings it, whichever voice, whether it's me wearing trousers or whoever, if you're faithful to the music in the right way, that the, the character 
that soul that he was trying to portray will come across. So I just try to do my best to do that. And whether I'm playing a man or a woman, whether I'm wearing you know something to flatten my chest and I'm wearing trousers or not, is is kind of immaterial. Do you have fun playing the boys? I have had fun when they're fun. Uh, I wouldn't describe it as fun. I'd find I describe it as interesting, challenging. Sometimes um, it's it's actually almost physically been a tougher life than it would have been otherwise. I mean, my knees are destroyed. I mean, I've literally spent 25 years kneeling down, beseeching sopranos or other people uh, and carrying my body in a different way and being thrown to the floor and not gliding around in a beautiful dress. It's been quite gruelling emotionally and physically trying to spend my life not only just on the stage but in the rehearsal room being something other than I am changing myself energy-wise, emotion-wise, as a woman. My guest is Alice Coote, who plays the role of Idamante, son of the title character in the Metropolitan Opera production of Mozart's Idomeneo. I have a recording of Alice Coote singing something more gender-neutral. Her role is called Virtue, and it's part of the oratorio The Choice of Hercules, written by Handel in 1750. Has the experience of living your life as both a man and a woman in in different capacities on stage affected the way that you view your own identity? Has it affected your ideas of your own femaleness? Has it changed anything for you? It's changed everything, I'm sure. But of course, I've lived this life where I've spent as my working day, people coming in and just assuming as I walk into a room for an eight-hour day that I will become a male and that's a lot of my working life, as when I do opera, of course. I don't only just do opera, but when I do, that's my identity a lot of the time. So you can imagine that that's left me, while I'm doing it, and at the end of the day and throughout my life as I approach these roles, and you know, I go to the restroom or I go shopping or I do whatever I do. Yes, of course, questioning, who am I? What is my body? Which part of of me is me? Do you ever find yourself bewildered on a day that you start, you wake up as a woman, you spend your day as a, as a man? And some... Well, I always start off with such good intentions in the rehearsals. Quite often I think, right, today I'm going to wear my nail varnish, I'm going to get my makeup on, I'm going to go in, I'm going to feel, feel glamorous and fragrant. And by about half past ten in the morning, it's all gone, it's all off. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sort of grappling with the, you know, the thighs of a soprano, screaming my head off, fully believing that I'm male. And that, by anybody's standards, has got to be quite a strange life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can disagree with me. <laughs> no, I, I, I can only take your word for it, in fact. <laughs> Speaking of makeup, you know, you spend a lot of time in dressing rooms getting, getting dressed and made up as both men and women. So I'm wondering, 
which takes you longer? Does it take you longer to oh, get all suited up and made up? By far turning into a man. Because you've got, you know, the, the smoke and lights and, and illusions of me fighting my way into... And the, the, the dresser just has to stand back, fighting my way back into this elasticated, um, almost ankle-to-neck uh, contraptions that squash <laughs> the, the, the gender parts of me. I'm not going to go into details. But, then, you know, you have to sort of, like, pull it up and half of your body sort of spills out over the top and then you've got to go for that final pull until some of it's flattened. Obviously, it's not all flattened. And then you go for your, the next layer, which covers that bit up, and then you start getting dressed. So... You know, I had an extra half an hour and, and lots of squeals and cries of dismay from the people around me. And then I start to get dressed. So, yes, it's quite hard to breathe, actually, when you've I, got your chest flattened. I believe it. Uh, it takes about half an hour for your all the contraptions, the elastic, to heat up. But the first half an hour, you can hardly breathe. So I usually i am terrible in the first half an hour of any orchestra rehearsal. So I have to put it on early and start warming up. Otherwise, I, I sound like a castrato <laughs> with sort of a mental illness. But yeah. That sounds also hot and uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Um, Very sweaty. Yes. And hideous for the people that have to peel it off me at the end of the <laughs> night. I have to give them big tips at the end of the performances. Uh, well, the, the laundry bill must be, yeah. must be high. Significant. <laughs> um, well, you've also, you've also had the chance to um, have romances with both men and women throughout your career. And I'm hoping that you will be brave enough to settle a score for me right now. Who are the better kissers, men or women? Oh, that would be telling. I mean, I would have to cite individuals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could ruin and, and make some reputations you in the opera world. You absolutely could. Yes, let's say it's, it's, it's evenly spread between the gender and it all depends on that it factor. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you very much, Alice Coote. Thank you. Mezzo-soprano Alice Coote is singing in the Metropolitan Opera production of Idomeneo by Mozart. Alice Coote says that love does triumph in the end of the opera, but by a very rough journey. Love's triumph happens not by will or by might or even by cunning, but by the intervention of fate itself. Let's hear a bit of the final chorus. May the goddess of marriage instill peace of spirit forever. She Sang is a production of Classical New York, WQXR. You can visit our show page for more details about the recordings you've heard on today's show at wqxr.org. And while you're there, leave us a comment, write to us, and let us know what you thought of the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your audio. We want to thank our guest, Alice Coote, who is singing the role of Idamante at the Metropolitan Opera. And we also want to thank our producer, Noelle Morris. I'm Marin Lazian. Thank you for listening. <laughs>